to the altar. Lord, we yield ourselves as a living sacrifice that you will have your way with us. That we humbly bow before you, recognizing who you are, that you are high and lifted up. And without you, we can do nothing. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would use me this morning to speak your truth that this truth is for all of us and I pray for us as your people that you will open our ears to hear you and to respond in obedience. Thank you so much for your love today and your commitment to us that is never failing. You said you would never leave us nor forsake us and help us to offer to you what you desire and require from us, and that's all of us, that you will be glorified in our lives today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Thank you, everybody, worship team, media team, those working in Kid City. It's always a privilege to be before you. I don't take it uh, lightly, so as I minister to you, I do ask that you pray for me as well. So good morning, I wanna welcome you again, those of you who are watching online, and if you were here last week, just a brief recap where I ministered from John chapter five, and the focus of that sermon is we are in this sermon series about being rooted and grounded, rooted and grounded in Christ, in his word, and, and it is in that they will, that we will grow, that we will be transformed. And so last week I looked at how Jesus himself was grounded, how Jesus, God in flesh, how he submitted himself to the Father and perfectly obeyed the Father in everything that he said and that he did, and that he actively pursued the Father. So it wasn't just a state of being, but it was something he actively acted upon that Jesus regularly recognized that he could do nothing of himself. You might remember that, and that the two are one, they are perfectly united. And as I can think of some sort of example, I know it's, it's, it's frail and it's imperfect, but I, I can reflect on just when you're watching a beautifully choreographed dance, right? And the dancers are just in step, they are locked in, it's like they're inseparable, they're moving at the same pace, the same time, or as I observe like a flock of birds that's flying and they're just, just going through the air, changing directions at will, and they're all in line, they're all in step. I understand it's a, an imperfect example, but it's one that I can visualize that Jesus is describing of his relationship with the Father. He's just perfectly in step. They move the same time, the same pace. It's never out of step for me. My personal favorite is when I think of musicians who are locked. You know, it's the bass and keys and drums just locked together in a groove and it seems inseparable. And, and it, especially in that uh, arena of just 
improvisation where we're just kind of flowing like this is no this song isn't planned and we're just flowing and it's just kind of like my relationship with CC and James we've been playing together for so long it's like we start anticipating where the other is going it's a, when when James does a certain thing on the bass or CC plays a certain key or he goes a certain way then that triggers me and I know how to respond because we're just in step once again it's an imperfect <laughs> It's an imperfect example, but it's one that I can think of, of just that Jesus is describing. We're just that locked, the Father and I. And the beautiful thing about that is that Jesus is calling us to the same relationship with him, to be completely locked in step with him. His will, his purpose, his truth. Remember, I talked about identity and purpose and how Jesus finds his identity always in the Father. He doesn't let anybody else define him but the Father, and that guides his purpose, and it's the same way that we find our identity in God, our purpose in God. And so the passage I want to draw upon today is John chapter 15. Now, I will note about this passage, this passage is extremely theologically rich, and I have a very specific focus today. So, if you come across your favorite line or passage that I don't spend too much time on, please forgive me. Uh, I have a a, a specific focus. I don't want to get into rabbit trails because I can with a passage like this because there's so many ways we can go with this, but I will try to stay focused. John 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 17. This is Jesus talking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, 
For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. This is the word of the Lord. So a brief, you know, background about this. Jesus, right now, he's with the 12, 12 disciples. So Jesus had uh, disciples who followed him, obviously, but he had the 12 who he spent the most time. And they're the ones that he's going to pass his ministry on to. And so he spends much more quality time with them. And this is where we are. This is actually during the Last Supper. So John uh, chapters 13 through 17, I believe I have uh, that correctly, where Jesus is with them in the Last Supper, and there's all this teaching, these final words he's giving to them, that he is going to die, he's going to rise again, but he's kind of giving them final commands. Mind you, Jesus has been with them for three years, and so he has loved them until the end. So there's something that I I want us to capture, especially before we get to deeds and doing things, and I hope you see that in Jesus' own statements last week, that there's this deep call to, to identity, and I keep talking about that, into relationship. There's this deep call into relationship. Even if you look at Jesus, he, he didn't preach his miracles, right? He performed miracles. But remember, for Jesus, the miracles served as a pointer to who he was. What he's saying is, I want you to understand who I am, that I came from the Father. He keeps going back to this wonderful relationship that's locked. I need you to understand that I came from the Father, that I'm from above, I'm not of this world. And so the miracles pointed to that, right? In the same way for us, it's not just about, okay, deeds and what I I need to do, what I need to do, but it's that relationship with Jesus. It's being known by him and knowing him. It's very intimate. And so I hope that we capture that this morning. And so Jesus has been with his disciples for years, loving them and caring for them. And he uses this example of agriculture. I know none of, maybe none of us are farmers, but maybe you are growing things. And you understand something about growing plants and, you know, the grapevine, you know, the vine is what gave nutrients and water, everything the branches needed to produce fruit. And Jesus is using that metaphor that just as the vine does that for the branches so they can bear fruit, that's your relationship to me, right? That without me, you can do nothing. It is the source, right? It's not just an attachment, an addendum. It's not just kind of a side thing that I participate in every once in a while when I feel like it but it's my source, it's my go-to. And he's saying, that is who I am. The same way he's reflected last week on the Father, and that's his life source. That's who I'm looking to. You do the same with me. And Jesus talked about how he is the true vine. I want to stop right there dealing with the true vine. I think that word is important, true, because we, uh, there are counterfeits. 
right? There are counterfeit vines. And there are a couple things in here I want to talk about related to this. Uh, so uh, we are tempted, and I talked about last week, we are tempted to root ourselves in counterfeit sources or illegitimate sources. Um, we see that last week when Satan tempts Jesus. He's giving him other ideas to root himself in. Bow down before me. And you can have all of these things of the world, and it could be some of that for us. But meditate on these questions as we go through this sermon. What are you rooting yourself in? If this is you, this may not apply. But what are you rooting yourself in that is other than Christ? Meaning, what are we giving that same level of gravity? That's my source. The sort of, without it, I'm nothing. Is there anything in our lives that we have that kind of relationship with that is competing with Jesus? And I want you to think about this. What are you trying to gain by doing so? If you analyze whatever that source is, if that's you, what are you trying to gain from that source? What is it providing for you? that you're not looking to Jesus for? Third question, what do you look to for your identity and your purpose, your ultimate meaning? And I do want to emphasize that ultimate. Okay, what do we make ultimate? There are things, yes, I'm a father and son, and you know, all these different identities I carry and roles, but what am I making? Ultimate. What is, what is the ultimate thing? Without that, I am nothing. What or who ultimately guides your life? Is it self? And I know you, you might be thinking, Tim, you talk about this a lot. And yes, and, I, and let me tell you why. Because this is just where God has had me. This has just been my assignment for a while of getting at this foundation of what competes with us in Christ. And it really comes to self. We look at our culture. That's, what, that's the driving force. It's me, me, me. And so that's why I have to keep coming here because that's at the root of a lot of things. Is it self? Meaning, I become the foundation of my being. I become the foundation for how I understand life. And in that sense, Jesus just becomes a part of it. Just think about that as we continue. There might be other things that we're looking to to guide our lives or to root ourselves in. And I think about this because unfortunately, um, and I know there are studies, I didn't bring numbers, but there are studies on this about how there, it's becoming more and more popular that, that more and more Christians don't have a biblical worldview. There are people professing to be Christians, but don't have a biblical worldview. In other words, that's not their foundation. There are other things that they're founding on, but will still say that they're connected to Jesus, that they like Jesus. But there's some other foundation. And one that hit me very strongly, because I've seen this too, um, it, it might be a temptation to borrow from different religious ideas and spiritisms and, and all kinds of things. One thing I think about is astrology, right? If you're familiar with astrology, it's this religious practice where you're looking to the stars, the sun and the moon and the constellations, and they actually define who you are, your identity, your worth, and guide your future. 
Things like zodiac signs, what's your sign? I'm a Sagittarius, I'm a Gemini, I'm a Leo, and we're bold, and we're this, and we're courageous, and you build your life on that, and that's how you understand yourself. I need you to understand that that is not Christ. That is completely contrary to Christ, and this is for whoever this applies to. But sometimes there are things we can get caught up in of just, you know, I daily, you know, maybe I don't pick up the Bible, but I'm reading my horoscope, so I know today is going to be a good day. Is that you this morning? Are you looking to the stars to define who you are? New Age practices. Those are rooted in the self, right? A different understanding of Jesus. They talk about Jesus, but Jesus is just, he's a guru. He, he just kind of helps you along to, to, so you can discover the, the divine spark within. It's new age practices. It's rooted on the self. Perhaps it's money and fame, meaning that's what drives you. Now, I want to, to qualify this in this way. If God graces you to start a wonderful business and it takes off and you make a lot of money, God bless you. Be grateful to God for that and be a good steward of the money God graces you with. So I'm not talking about that. It's not just about having a lot of money, but it's where it's controlling you, it's driving you. That, that's, that's why you're working so many hours, that's why you don't have time for your family. It's like, I need this so I can be okay. Could be money, could be fame. Other things that we think about, I mentioned career. That's the driving force. It could be status. I need to be known. I need to be liked. And so maybe you're here today and you're constantly seeking people's approval. So even though you're naming Jesus and you say you're about Jesus, for you, it's really about people's approval. And that's what guides your behavior rather than Christ. Is that you this morning? It could be relationships. It could be Marriage. See, sometimes illegitimate sources, they're not always bad, right? It's good things that even God has given that we're tempted to just make ultimate, right? We're tempted to make the foundation. You know, I, I'm thankful for my wife and our relationship uh, together, but you know, I, I kind of laugh, you know, when I hear some of the songs, romant romantic songs today, and it's saying stuff like, you are my everything. I can't breathe without you. When you're away from me, I can't survive. You heard that. What's oh, it's a bunch of them. It's a bunch of them. You know, now, now my relationship to my wife is beautiful, marriage is beautiful, God has blessed us, but I can, t I can tell you right now, if I ever said to my wife, you know, I'm your, I want to be your everything, she will have no problem telling me, bruh, your resume is too short. <laughs> I love you, honey, but your resume is not long enough. But why do I bring that up? Because, because there, there's, we have to remember there's a temptation to make that ultimate. Yeah. 
right? And, and, if I, and if I'm seeing my wife that way, you are my everything, I'm putting a burden on her that she's not big enough to carry, right? And so you see the relationship where I'm saying, Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. In other words, I am the only one you can put all of yourself onto. My wife can't do that. Now God uses her in different ways to, to bring that life to, as an example of his love, but she's not the ultimate. And I'm not the ultimate for her. So right now, talking about Jesus, the true vine, and what are the counterfeits, that, that challenge that we're tempted to go to, right? Because it's important to understand that Jesus demands ultimate allegiance. We cannot divide our allegiances. Jesus demands it all, and anything that gets in his way, Jesus will challenge. So that might be yesterday. It might be counterfeit things, right? But maybe it's not that, because sometimes it, you might not be in a space where you're tempted to go after other gods and other things, but there are times, and my wife told me to mention this, so I'm thankful for the wisdom uh, that God has given my wife. Sometimes it's life challenges, right? It's not always an idol that you're going after. Sometimes it's life's challenges that come and just shake our foundation, right? They challenge it. They cause us to question or doubt God's love for us, right? Remember, Satan came to Jesus and tempted him, okay? So he tempted Jesus, he's going to tempt us. Life's challenges will come. It could be death. Some of us have gone through that or are going through that. It could be divorce. I wasn't expecting this, but I find myself now divorced that can rock your foundation. It could be the loss of a job. It could be a sickness we weren't expecting that begins to rock that foundation. Mind you, you're not going after other gods, but it just causes me to question. Is Jesus there for me? Does he care? So I want you to sit with that, and it could be different for you, but this is why we're talking about being grounded, because it doesn't mean it won't be challenged. So, and being grounded is not, it's not just a state of being, this is something we act on. I'll talk about this later, but you gotta fight for this. As I reflect on Jesus being the true vine, whether it's the stars of creation, and, and how do we begin to do that is, for one, it's understanding who he is, right? You know, because if I, if I understand, just going back to the astrology piece for a moment, if I understand that he is the creator. And I was just reflecting on this, it's just like, man, you know, if, if the sun and the moon and the stars could talk to us right now, but then I was like, hold up, I think they are talking. And they're always talking, you know, Paul says in Romans 1 that God's invisible attributes are clearly seen in what he created. So nature and creation is shouting at us that, you know, if the sun is just talking to me right now, it's just, just to say, you know, I didn't put myself up here. You know how bright I am. I didn't give myself that feature. See, see, rooted in Jesus, meaning he, he created the sun and gave it its identity and its purpose. He created the moon 
gave it its identity and its purpose. This is where you function. Sun, you rule the day. Moon, stars, you rule the night. So he set those into motion, gave them their identity and their purpose. So why are you governing yourselves by the constellations when the creator made those? Why are you letting the stars determine what your mood is going to be today or what your future is going to be when you have access to the creator who gave them their mission? I want to say this to us today real quick. Just, just, I'm praying that this sermon and, and the intent of this, this sermon is not to bring any condemnation. I want you to know even when the word of God comes and hurts, it's not to bring condemnation. It's to bring conviction and it's to bring us back to repentance, okay? I want you to, I will pray that you feel that today, even if something is like, ouch, yo, God reveals these things to us to say, hey, come on, come back to me. So Jesus is the true vine. So we've got to guard against counterfeits. He goes on to talk about how the father, branches that are in him, the father prunes them. If you think about a gardener and you know, if there's something that's got fruit that's in him, he's gonna make sure it produces more fruit. And fruit is talking about righteousness, right? It's the fruit of righteousness and repentance. It's, it's how our lives are to represent Christ in word, in deed, and in thought. And that's what our lives are to be about. That's what's happening in us. That's what the Spirit is doing. It's shaping us to look like Jesus, right? But we have to be in the vine in order to show that fruit, right? So in that, the Father disciplines us. When we're truly rooted in him, the Father will challenge us to grow. Trust me, I know this all too well. There have been times in my life I've, played, I've prayed this powerful prayer. Let me tell you why this prayer is so powerful, because it's one that God always answers. And that prayer was Lord, I need you to strip me of anything that's not like you. Lord, reveal anything in me that's not like you. God will always answer that prayer, I'm telling you. And there were seasons of my life where God just start revealing me and I look ugly. I thought I was wonderful. I thought I was flowing in his presence. And God said, let me show you this. Let me show you that. Let me show you that. Let me show you that. It's important to know because when we are in Christ and rooted in him, because we know we're not perfect, God is going to challenge us. If we've got wrong ideas, wrong thoughts, wrong behaviors, Jesus is going to disrupt you. He's not going to leave you alone. And it's not to condemn you, it's to bring you back as a loving father. He would challenge us to grow. And many times this happens through life's challenges. Sometimes life challenges can reveal, can reveal what we've really been standing on. Absolutely. It can reveal that I have been making something an idol. Mind you, that's not all the time. There are some cases where life challenges can show me what has been an idol or what I've been tempted to look at more 
than God. But the Father won't leave you alone. He's going to discipline and correct. And so Jesus says, abide in me. That word abide, some say uh, remain, like the word rest, but remain, stay, continue in me. What does this mean? This means being actively invested, grounded in Jesus. It's not a one-time act. So this is where we get very practical. If we look at Jesus in his ministry, he would heal people, but then he would go away and be with the Father. Right? So that's translated into actual personal time with God. Studying the scriptures, prayer, fellowship and worship together. These are ongoing things that we do to invest in that relationship. Individually as well as corporately. I'll talk more about that a little later. But Jesus shows this in his identity and he's calling us to do that. So we've got to go back to Jesus. What does this mean to be rooted in him, abiding in him? We've got to know who he is. He is the Lord of heaven who has come down and he's leading his disciples here who he's talking to as they've been with him. He's revealing who he, is, who he is, but he's also giving commands. This is what I'm expecting of you. So abiding means, first of all, recognizing who he is. Secondly, it's resting in that truth of who he is. Third, it's allowing that truth to permeate your entire being. To understand that he's creator, you've heard me say this before, but that he's creator, that has meaning and implications for my life and how I understand myself as being a created being. It might help me to understand when he says that I'll never leave you nor forsake you, that I will provide for you. So maybe when I'm, I'm experiencing life's challenges, this is one of the, the truths that I fight with. Y'all know life is hard, I don't have to tell you that. And abiding in Jesus doesn't mean life won't hit you because it will. But this is what we fight with. Remember, we are actively pursuing him just like he actively pursues the Father. He's constantly looking to the Father. He's constantly meditating on his, his word, his truth, his commands. The same for us, your day-to-day -day life, your mind should be spinning with thoughts of Jesus. His peace, his patience his love, his truth. And if you're not there, I just want to encourage you in that today. You can build that. You can grow in that. I don't want you to feel like, well, that's not me, so let me just walk away. No, let's act on it. Does he permeate your thoughts, your thinking? Do I look to him before I open my mouth and say what I'm about to say that I know I shouldn't say? And that's a, that's a practice because you might identify, yo, that's me. So now when I get in those situations and my boss has really taken me to that point, rooted and grounded and abiding in him, says, okay, you've called me to peace. You've called me to be patient. So you're abiding in him in that moment. Lord, help me to rest in you right now. 
Notice I'm actively going to that because <laughs> I'm about to mess something up. Oh, God, help me to rest in you right now. You are my peace. When money is tight and I've been there, you are my provision. I didn't say it's easy. <laughs> because saying that doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're going to see something show up that <laughs> meets that situation, you know, because I went through that storm of not having a job and the family, and that was a struggle, and still having to say, Lord, I'm arresting you, even though I just got an email from that job that said, thank you for applying, but we're going in another direction. That hurts. <laughs> You've ever felt that? That hurts. There was something that still had to say, I've got to rest in him. Meaning, my situation, get this, your situation, the circumstance, doesn't dictate who he is. Come on. It doesn't change Come who on. Jesus is. Remember, he doesn't change. Your circumstance doesn't dictate who he is. Your circumstance is hard. It's difficult. It's painful. He hasn't changed. So abiding in him means I've got, to, I've got to pull up his word, which means I have to know it. I have to know his word. If I'm not putting in his word, I'm not going to have anything to pull up. Think about it like first responders, police officers, they're constantly training. Why? Because they want their first response to be gunshots, police are running toward it. We're ducking and dodging. They're like, where is it? They're training themselves how to respond.